Through COVID, particularly lockdown, women were doing, on average, 156 more hours than their male partners in support of family or home responsibilities. Despite the fact that women were working, they were also all entrepreneurs. Um, they were taking on more of the responsibilities. That has meant that 62% of women are feeling more stretched than ever before and really struggling to find balance. And so I think that women doing more of the responsibilities and their work and the lengthening of time we're all working in our home environments has really played out in terms of women's self-esteem, which has dropped. But I think that's also contributed to by the, the loss of jobs in 1.8 times more women than men are likely to have lost their jobs or quit due to COVID. The burden is too much. I'm your host, Michelle King, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. The majority of working women have been held back in their careers due to the COVID-19 pandemic. A recent study found nearly 70% of women who experienced negative disruptions due to the pandemic are now concerned about their ability to progress in their career. According to data from the US Bureau of Labor Statistics, four times more women than men dropped out of the labor force in September 2020. This is having a detrimental impact on women's financial health. The gender savings gap has widened as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. More women than men are relying on previous savings to cover essential costs during the pandemic, depleting their already smaller savings pot. Over a third of women admitted to dipping into their savings over the past six months, compared to just 15% of men. To better understand the financial gap women are experiencing during the pandemic, Tamara Gillen, founder of the Wealthy Her Women's Network, will be joining us on this episode. Tamara will share findings from the recently released 2020 Wealthy Her Report, which provides us with insights to better understand how COVID is impacting women and altering their attitudes to wealth, life, and their finances. Women have seen the biggest hit to their financial security as a result of COVID. Over three quarters of furloughed women have not been able to save as much money as pre-pandemic, compared to just half of furloughed men. The widest gender gap savings is among millennials, with women aged 23 to 38 reporting 60% less in savings than their male counterparts. This is followed by Gen Z with those under the age of 23 reporting a 47% gender savings gap. Much of this can be attributed to the gender pay gap, which currently stands at around 17.3% according to official data. One of the things that you taught me was the importance of understanding and awareness. And so we have repeated the report because it's really important that we understand how women and men are uh, perceiving how things are for them personally, how their priorities have shifted, what's important to them, where they're feeling a lack of security or confidence. 
And therefore, if we understand that and raise awareness of those factors, then we can change things. So we repeated the report this year to really delve into what has changed? Where do we need to focus? And obviously, it's against a backdrop of huge change globally around the world, huge detrimental impact wrecked by the pandemic. So we thought it was really, really important to see the shifts. And in fact, we originally did interview nearly 3,000 men and women last year. We repeated that in February this year. We extended from the UK to the UK, Hong Kong, Singapore and China so we could take that global view. But we actually went back and because like you, I love research and insight, we went back and repeated that, some of the questions in August and September this year to really see how COVID had impacted things because in February, we just didn't understand. And one of the things that we have seen is that there is a dramatic shift um, and a decline for women in self-esteem, in what's important to them in terms of personal priorities for women, happiness, health has risen for both men and women since last year, happiness, um, where women, 62% of women are struggling to feel financially secure and confident, as are 59% of men. But in fact, men are also feeling really struggling with the perception of not being able to provide for their families. So we're seeing this dynamics um, and it's really important that we can understand those so we can define ways to raise awareness, but also change things. In the workplace, you know, the big area that you've championed and really pushed us to sort of measure, we have seen again, you know, women are globally 1.8 times more likely to have lost their jobs through COVID or quit because of the double care burden. But in fact, also, what's something that we really need to raise awareness of is that 56% of men over 45 do not think that gender in the workplace is an issue or something that's important. And as you talk about, we think it's really important that that is known because there is a problem and, and it's likely to get worse in really commercially stricken organisations who revert to some of the issues and barriers that make things worse. One of the things that we've seen from the Institute of Fiscal Studies is that through COVID, particularly lockdown, that women were doing on average 156 more hours than their male partners in support of family or home responsibilities. That family care might be children. Many of us remember the horror as parents of that homeschooling. Thank goodness we're still holding strong in the UK and that they are in school, but also families, you know, parents being ill. My mother had COVID, so the double care burden that women are taking on. Also, some of those gender roles remain. And in fact, despite the fact that women were working, they were also or entrepreneurs. Um, they were taking on more of the responsibilities of childcare in the home than men. So that has meant that women are feeling, I think 62% of women are feeling more stretched than ever before and really struggling to find balance. And this whole of idea of, you know, which everybody's feeling of where does my day begin? Where does it end? When do I stop working? What bits of my family? Because that's been taken away. I don't go to work and come home. I work here from home. And so I think that that is an area that we've seen that women doing more of the responsibilities and their work and the, the lengthening of time we're all working in our home environments has really played out in terms of women's self-esteem, which has dropped. But I think that's also contributed to by the, the loss of jobs in women. As I said, 1.8 times more women than men are likely to have lost their jobs or quit due to COVID as the burden is too much. And I've seen members of my team, you know, women, 
have a very female team you know whether it's I've got three children under five and I'm homeschooling or in fact my parents have been very very unwell as a result or they need more support I cannot continue so actually having to quickly opt out of work Approximately 252 million women around the world are entrepreneurs, and another 153 million women are operating established businesses. Even before the pandemic, female business owners faced structural barriers when it came to accessing funding. But COVID-19 has compounded this challenge, as Tamara explains. Entrepreneurship in action in COVID, I think that there has always been funding gaps for female entrepreneurs but even support from government I was just reading a shocking statistic that said of the government emergency fund for entrepreneurs I think it's 1.15 percent of all female entrepreneurial teams applied versus all male teams and the proportion of funding that went to female teams for emergency support was also dramatically less so all of these factors whether it's uh, you know the double care burden or job security or not being able to participate versus security all businesses are facing dire financial issues as I know as an entrepreneur but not being able to access funding or emergency funding and some of that is about female entrepreneurs not perceiving institutional funding is for them. Some of it's about actually 74% in our entrepreneurial stream said, I think I'm desperately concerned about funding for the survival of my business, but I'm very concerned about bias in that process. And that's been evidenced by actual sort of take up of these schemes. Financial inclusion benefits individuals and households and well-functioning financial systems benefit entire countries. However, access to financial services is highly unequal with poor people, and particularly poor women, frequently the least served by existing institutions and systems. There's ample evidence of how financial inclusion enhances women's economic empowerment. Here, Tamara shares more on this. I think that a lot of women um, do not think that the finance industry, and we saw this globally, uh, and, and more and less in different markets, so more in the UK, more in the Singapore women do not think that the finance industry is talking to them. It doesn't think that they understand them, less so in China and Hong Kong. So if you do not think you're talking to me and you do not think as a woman or a person from a diverse background, they certainly don't think the finance industry understands or is talking to them. They're not thinking I can engage, whether that's to access short-term loans versus more negative, you know, payday loans or high interest loans or have those conversations. So I think that a lot of the work that we're doing is The industry needs to overcome those barriers and reach out, be accessible and talk to, particularly in our area of work, women. But also we found women want less jargon. Cut the information I don't understand that makes this less accessible and the options less accessible to me. And and also come to me. My life has just got a lot harder. You know, don't be trying to engage with me on your terms. The terms have changed and you need to behave very, very differently towards me and how you talk to me and when you talk to me. And in fact, you know, this nine to five, and I've heard many women leaders, many women in business, many women say, oh my goodness, don't talk to me until the kids go to bed. As I tried to call you last night at 9pm, we've lost that, you know, the time in the day. So organisations need to be different. This gives us, you know, a much harder road in the current way that we're working and we need to adapt. 
Research suggests that a high percentage of women are drawn into investments with social and environmental impact. For example, the Wealthy Her report found that 77% of women under 34 want businesses and investments that are socially responsible, and 75% want investments to be environmentally responsible. They also want to see gender-balanced diverse workplaces and organisations that act philanthropically. To realise these benefits, women not only need access to funding, but they need to be key decision-makers in financial services. Here, Tamara shares why the starting point for taking action is awareness. If you don't understand, you can't change. If you're not aware and you don't face into it, you can't change. So it's really important that financial organisations take the findings. But more than that, they say, what are we going to do about it? And what are we going to tangibly do about it? Because it's very difficult to change. Everything that you do, you need to take make people aware, give them the tools, take them on a journey, take them on a learning, take them on a development journey over time. So this requires not only understanding and facing into it, but real commitment to do something about it. And part of the reason that we've had the Wealthier Network is to say, if we all stand together, we can get to the solutions quicker. If we all hold each other as founding partners accountable, we can get to the solution quicker. Um, So I think that that is absolutely essential right now. And holding the line, because history shows us when times are hard, businesses revert, organizations or cultures sometimes revert to sliding backwards. And we must not let that happen. still have a very long way to go to reach gender equality in financial services. The industry is running out of time. Women are not a special interest group. We make up half the population, and banks can no longer afford to ignore half the global customer base. What women want from banks is more inclusion. According to the Wealthy Her report, for women under the age of 34, 40% want less jargon, 38% want more attention on succession and family matters, and 38% want more female wealth managers. I hope the finance industry will realise that the next generation of women are aware of the systemic barriers that exist because of reports like Wealthy Hers that call these challenges out. And importantly, the next generation is beginning to hold companies accountable for removing the very challenges that they create. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Before you go, just a quick reminder that you can get a copy of my book, The Fix, or the electronic or audible version from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Audible, or at all major retailers. In reading The Fix, you'll learn what barriers all women face and how gender inequality creates challenges to men's fulfillment of work. Most importantly, you'll learn what we can do to remove these obstacles and how we can begin to make workplaces work for everyone. So get your copy today and let me know what you think by leaving a review on Amazon. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.